Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rod. Well, someone asked me um, some time ago, when I was working somewhere else, has your church got a dress code? You know, occasionally people who aren't regular at a church wonder if they ought to dress up for church. So, we're looking around, have we got a dress code? Uh, oh, you're suave, chic, sophisticated, I think, yeah? Um, and then this, I said, no, no, you can come dressed as you like, is what I usually say. Um, and they said, but what about you? What about the people up front? So, for example, would you ever, I've been asked, would you ever preach in thongs? And once I'd reminded myself they meant flip-flops and not something else, I had a thing, thought, well, no, probably not. I think that's a step too far, because more because I'm 48 and I don't want to look like I'm trying too hard. And I could never be one of those hipster pastors, you know, in a flannel shirt and the, the jeans that look like they're cutting your circulation off and trendy tattoos. That's just not me. But I wonder, does our church come across like we've got a dress code for feelings? You know, does anyone ever on a Sunday morning think, oh, I can't go to church today. I just haven't got everything together. I need to be in a better emotional place. And I'm just thinking about feelings because when, whenever we explore the Psalms, we're inevitably exploring some of our feelings. Because if you felt it, you'll find it expressed in the Psalms. And that's great, because that tells us that God understands our feelings. He knows the range of feelings that we go through. It means our feelings are a valid part of who we are, and God wants us to come to him with them, not hide away from them, until we feel we're in the right frame of mind to approach God. So all of our feelings, good or bad, they're all part of how we can relate to God. Not something that needs tidying up before we try and relate to God. So I'm glad we're exploring uh, Psalms last week and this week, and, and the feelings that they bring up or express Because I don't want any of you to ever feel like you've got to be in an emotionally good place or make sure you're feeling okay enough before you can turn up at church. In fact, if you are feeling down or angry, full of doubt at the end of your rope, 
feeling like giving up on God? Well, church is the first place you should be, more than usual. So help last week look, and this week will help us see that God can handle our deepest feelings and that the good news about Jesus is good news which speaks into whatever we're feeling. So last week, Jamie talked about um, coming clean, about dealing with guilt and shame. And today, more positive. We're thinking about joy. Joy. But joy is not just a feeling. Joy involves emotion, yes. But the Apostle Paul, for example, talks about rejoicing in what he is suffering. So we can't have been feeling great about that, but rejoicing nonetheless. So it's not about... Joy is not dependent on feeling happy. In the Bible, joy is something that turns up whenever God does. Um, And there are lots of references we could look up, but we'll keep it simple. We'll stick with Psalm 100, mostly. So I think I've got a slide slide of um, the Psalm. Uh, Just next one, Rob. There's, There's one with that one. That's the one, yes. So when you're looking at a psalm, it's just worth paying a bit more attention to the structure of it because it just helps you understand and get the impact of it all of that. So in Psalm 100, it's in layers. So we've got two sets of commands for joyful acts and then followed by reasons in the, uh, yeah, in the white boxes, reasons for having that joy. So sets of commands and reasons for having that joy. So verse 1 and 2, shout, worship, and come, and then why? The why is verse three: the Lord is God; He made us; we belong to Him; we're the sheep of His pasture. Then verse four: more joyful acts, thanksgiving, praise, thanksgiving and praise. And then again, the reasons why: God is good; His love endures forever; He is faithful. So joy is something that we act out in our lives in response to inner feelings of joy that we feel inside. And that inner joy comes not from circumstances, what's going on, not from external influences on our emotions. Joy comes from unchanging truths about God. Joy comes from knowing unchanging truths about God. So back to those headings, thanks, Robert. This is where we're going, just a brief... I don't know, I managed to get four headings out of just five verses, but here we go. We've got a joyful command, good to know, drawing near in joy, good news, great joy. So first of all, verses one and two, there's a joyful command. And it starts wide, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Just a little nugget of interest I found out this week, that word for shout is that the same Hebrew word is translated in Job as ostrich. And we don't really know why. It's probably because the loud noises ostriches can make or the loud noises their feathers make. But I think it's that kind of sort of exuberant, it's like a full-on yell. Okay, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And then it gets increasingly intimate. So that's why it gets increasingly intimate and close. Worship the Lord, by his personal name, Yahweh. Worship the Lord with gladness. And then come before him, like at his feet before him, with joyful songs. 
Uh, Psalm 99, just before this, that's been calling the whole world to come and worship God. But why does God want people to worship him? You know, I've learned in the last 13 years, Australians don't like a tall poppy, do we? So is God just being really vain and just loves to hear how great he is? Or is God insecure and he needs the confidence boost of our worship? Or is it like in in mythology where um, he draws power from our worship? Well, no, none of the above. See, we all have in us the need and the desire to see perfection and beauty, don't we? And when we do, we praise it. It's kind of our default response to experiencing something good. And we enjoy expressing that appreciation, don't we? When we see a beautiful sunset or a newborn baby or we eat a really good chocolate brownie, we praise those things, not because we have to or they need us to, but because our praise is true and brings us joy, especially when we share it. So I don't often miss being in England much, but I do when there's a football tournament on. And you won't care, but England won 4-0 in a, in a quarter-final this morning. See? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good. I mean, Australians worked out, as Robert pointed out, Australians worked out soccer's too hard, so they changed it so you can pick the ball up. And then put an extra two goalposts, you get a point if you miss as well. Anyway. But I didn't need any encouragement to to join in the praises of, of England winning. It's something we do naturally. See, God is perfect goodness. He's infinitely praiseworthy. So as we come to know him, as we draw near to him, we find ourselves with more and more to praise him about. So we worship and praise God, shouting for joy, usually, Because it's the appropriate response to who he is. We come before him with songs. I just encourage you to hold on to that desire to sing from this morning and bring it out next time we get the chance. We come before him with songs because music is a great vehicle for expressing what's on our heart. I think, what's the phrase again? It's, we think a thought, we feel an emotion, but singing helps us to feel a thought. It's a good way of thinking about singing. Singing helps us to feel a thought. So the application here is to make sure that we've got God right. So we're not missing out on all those good reasons to worship and praise him, to be joyful about him. See, I reckon Psalms is kind of how things really are. They're kind of our reality adjuster. They tell us how the world really is. And the result of knowing God isn't like finally winning the begrudging approval of a grumpy father, giving us a crumb of self-worth. No, God is a loving, kind father who wants to share the joy of his goodness, his holiness, his perfect love. He wants to share all that with us as his children. And we share in that as we shout for joy, as we worship him, and as we sing joyful songs. So this command to shout for joy, first and foremost, is for God's glory 
Yet it's also a loving command because it brings us our own joy as well. So that's our, joy, our first joyful acts. Now, verse, then verse 3, the first set of what is good to know. Our next heading, good to know. So verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So in other words, God is God. He's all-powerful. He's in total control, eternal And he made us. He made us deliberately, not by accident. And he made us to belong to him. So we don't need to worry about what is life all about? What is life for? What's the point of my existence? We're made for God. And the source for our joy is that God, who didn't need us, chose to create us to share in his love and goodness. It's not like God was lonely. God was perfect love and goodness in himself. And he wants to share that with us, to belong to him. So there's a certainty and a purpose to our existence. So if you're looking for deep-seated joy, you're only going to find it with God because you were made for him. We aren't random. We do belong not to ourselves, but to God. Verse 3, it's he who made us and we are his. So the more I let go of my life being all about me, the more I hold tight to knowing my life is all about God, the more joy I will know. Because that is life resonating with, in tune with, in harmony with how things really are and what I was made for. And we've got even more reason to joyfully give ourselves in praise than this psalmist and the original singers of this song did. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Similar words. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The sheep of his pasture is the language used there in the psalm, isn't it? It's an image of God as our shepherd, of God protecting us and providing for us, guiding us. And we don't need to know if you need to guess if God is really like this, because God's fully revealed himself in Jesus, the good shepherd, showing us the extent of his love. So John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And further on in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. We belong to God. Our joy and our purpose is to be found in belonging to him. And Jesus gave up his life for each one of us so that we can do just that. 
Verse 4 now, and once again we find ourselves drawing near in joy. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I can't read that without hearing the song we had at our wedding. And I'm allowed to sing because it's just one of me. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Do you know that one? I love that. This praise, so if you look at this verse, enter his gates. So it begins at the city gates. And his courts of praise, it moves into the temple courts and ends up praising God's name, approaching him personally. Gates, court, give thanks to him, praise his name personally. And notice that the thanks and the praise go together. The thanks and praise go together. So we grow in joy when we remember all that we have to be thankful for. When we gratefully accept God's grace to us. And the whole reason we can approach God at all is because in Jesus, God's cleared the way for us. Jesus' death on the cross has paid the price for our sin, for our rebellion against God. So Colossians 1.21 puts it like this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. There's no joy to be found there. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So the very fact that we can approach God to give him thanks and praise at all is a reason in itself to give him thanks and praise. We don't have to work our way back. We can't work our way back. Jesus has done it all. And we need to just accept his gift, trusting in him. Because if we think our right standing before God depends on us, if we seek to generate our own joy, well, then we have to take ourselves very seriously, don't we? And if we seek to create our our own joy by being like and displaying enough moral good behavior, if we're moralistic, then the smallest dent or scratch in our reputation, the tiniest lapse in our performance, becomes a great concern and weighs so heavily. Trying to earn our way to God robs us of joy because we'll be constantly confronted by our own failure. Depending on our own moralism, turns praising God into just another thing that we have to do to try and keep him happy rather than responding as something that's responding to his grace in joy. But then that's been sort of overly moralistic. But then on the other hand, just living as we want by our own rules, again, that will rob us of joy because we'll become cynical. Because we'll find going our own way just inevitably ends up in hurt and disappointment because people are inherently sinful. So it doesn't work being moralistic. It doesn't work doing just whatever you want. The way of joy is to gratefully receive the free gift of salvation through believing in Jesus and giving your life to him and living out 
his ways in grateful response. So back to our emotional dress code, if you like. What if you're here this morning feeling wretched, suffering loss or illness, afraid or depressed, angry or hurt? Well, isn't it, if you turn up feeling to church feeling like that, isn't it faking it to thank and praise God joyfully? Is that faking it? Joy is having that deep assurance that whatever's going on, everything between you and God is all right. And once you're saved by Jesus, there's no circumstance that is going to change that. So although sometimes it's through tears, although you may not be feeling it right now, Thanking and praising joyfully is still the right response. It's not faking it. Because what is ultimately and most importantly true is still true. You will win at life because Jesus has won it for you. So final heading. More reasons for joy. Good news that causes great joy. Verse 5. We're told of three true things about God. Firstly, God is good. Now, do you believe that? God is good. Is that how you see God? Often we have questions uh, such as, how can God be allowing this suffering? But often the question behind the question is, is God really good? Well, this psalm tells us that he is. How do we know? Because secondly, his love endures forever. Like I said, there's loads of references to joy in the Bible. But often, wherever God turns up and does something that means people get to know him. So here's one that we normally remember at Christmas in Luke 2. This is when the angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds. It's interesting how they describe the news. They say this, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is being born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then basically the angels have a big party in the sky, don't they? See, we don't have to guess if God is really loving. He loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to save us, to rescue us from the judgment we deserve, to bring us forgiveness and peace with God forever. So every human's most pressing need, every human's source of joy, isn't the perfect family or the perfect job, mental and physical wellness. Our most pressing need and our source of joy is for everything to be all right between us and our perfect, holy, loving God who made us. And in Jesus, God does absolutely everything 
to make that happen. So that's why his arrival causes great joy for all people. That's why I'm never really going to put on one of those Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve. Some people like a reflective service, and I get that that's helpful for some people. But I just think it's theologically all wrong because the angels had a party and shouted and screamed, great joy. A final source of joy, God's faithfulness endures. So God isn't fickle. You know, when we're looking at Genesis, we find out basic things about God's character. But here's another one. God isn't fickle. You don't have to worry if God is going to keep his promises or if he's going to change his mind. So God's faithfulness gives us joy which transcends our circumstances and emotions. Because what we know is true about him stays true. God's faithfulness. We know that the hope of eternal life is real hope because God promises it and God always keeps his promises. So drawing together then, what's the application here? What do we do with this? Am I just telling us to always put on a brave face and look happy? Well, no. I'm suggesting more than that. I'm suggesting that we cultivate a smiling heart. That is, we keep getting to know deeper and deeper, unchanging truths about God, which causes deep-seated joy. A joy that can't be knocked off its chair. So keep reading these truths in the Bible. Keep singing about them, and we're allowed to do that. Keep talking to one another about them. Remind one another, straighten each other out about how things really are, what God is really like. And as we do that, we nurture in ourselves the desire to do joyful things, to shout and sing God's praises, to do acts of service. With that joy in us, with hearts smiling at unchanging truths about God as the foundation well, then we'll be able to give thankful praise to God, which in itself will bring us joy, whatever our circumstances and feelings. So I'm going to finish now uh, with these verses from Hebrews, which tell us how joy helped Jesus through the very worst circumstances. So from Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you today, however we're feeling. And Lord, I especially pray for our brothers and sisters here who might be um, full of grief or anger or something that's really weighing them down. And I pray for all of us that we may know those deep-seated truths, know a real heart, depth of who we are level, 
who you are, how good you are. Know your grace. Know your love and your kindness as our good shepherd. To know joy. A joy that can't be shaken. And we commit that joy to you for your glory and so that others may know your name. Amen.